0: I'm Chaplain Jacob Scott of the Oregon National Guard. This is the Hope in the Trenches podcast. Where going forward, I'll sit down for conversations with people who offer interesting and informative perspectives on finding strength for life and work in the trenches and even improving our spiritual posture. Whether you feel like you're under heavy bombardment or ready to go over the top toward a new objective, it's good to be with you. My guests today are two of our great Air National Guard officers, Christy Roddy and Jared Boyer, who serve with the 173rd Fighter Wing at Kingsley Field in beautiful Klamath Falls, Oregon. If you're not familiar with the 173rd and their mission, they are the training base for the F-15 pilots in the United States Air Force. And Kingsley Field in Klamath Falls is in a stunningly beautiful part of the country, the southern Oregon Cascades. I was blessed to live and work in Klamath Falls for seven years and loved the community. I spent a lot of time running the trails in the Klamath Basin with friends in the local running club. Shout out to the Linkville Lopers. Back in the fall, I read an article from the 173rd highlighting two of their... Uh, officers and airmen who were participating in the 2021 All Air Force Marathon, which was supposed to happen at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio last fall, but it went virtual. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to them about running, that lifestyle, and, and the benefits of, of running uh, across the board, uh, and, and about that marathon event. So First Lieutenant Jared Boyer is a finance officer with the 173rd. He grew up in Pennsylvania and grew up playing all kinds of sports, particularly swimming and volleyball, and he played competitive volleyball in college and into his 30s. After college, he said a cousin introduced him to running, and that started him competing in team adventure races. Then Jared joined the guard, got a full-time job, ran into work nearly daily, he said, and he reports that he used to run for an hour and up to three hours with his daughters in a running stroller just to give his wife a break. Soon, he said he was running 45 to 65 miles a week, running several ultras or ultra marathons. So those are races over 26.2 miles, relays and marathons. He competed once in the Oregon Best Warrior competition event at Camp Rylea. That's a That's a brave airman, Jared. He also served as a race director for the Kingsley Field Duathlon event for four years. That's a running and biking race that highlights some of the area trails there in the Klamath Basin. Currently, Lieutenant Boyer says that he uses running to scout animals for the hunting season and drops some weight for jiu-jitsu. He's competing in a tournament in March. Then in June, he's lining up a wild and scenic rogue 40-mile unsupported trail run for a Father's Day weekend retreat. Uh, and then he says he's got his sights on one last U.S. Air Force marathon coming up in September. Captain christie Roddy's a physician's assistant with the 173rd Fighter Wing Medical Group, and in her civilian vocation works for Northwest Brain and Spine in Bend, Oregon. She grew up in Alaska, graduating from Chugiak High School. She said that she moved into a fish camp right after high school before she discovered the Alaska National Guard, enlisting as a weapons troop in June 1999. She was quickly picked up for the Alaska Air Guards Marathon team and made the national team that first year. She ran a few marathons over the next couple of years, including a 317 at Chicago in 2002. That's nice and fast. And that qualified her for the Boston Marathon, which she ran in 2003. Christy shipped off to Airman Leadership School quickly after Boston, and by summer's end, she was in Afghanistan, spending most of her time there in Kandahar. She wrote that she ran nearly every day with her nine mil over there. Savage. Upon returning to the States, she started racing for the National Guard's biathlon team in 2003 at Yellowstone National Park. Then in 2004, she became a, a, a mother, and she delivered her son in 2005, but kept on racing. She showed up to the Portland Marathon with a three-month-old nursing child and then had her daughter in 2006. She said there was a lull in her racing for a bit as she realized that she'd completed about eight years as a load-toad. I'd never heard that term before, but a load-toad is a weapons troop. And so she realized it was time for a career change. She shipped off to medic school before her daughter's first birthday in 2007, and after she finished that training in 2008, she said her, her mother died. And she says that uh, that, was, that was rough with two small children, three stepchildren, her marriage was failing, trying to continue coursework with the local university, uh, and, and grieving. So she said she got back into running. She said that life always seemed to be more emotionally manageable when I was running. I was able to handle stressors better. And I found that I surrounded myself with a more motivated and positive crowd, and I haven't looked back. She ended up jumping back in the National Guard's marathon and biathlon teams until she got into medical school and she said she injured her hip on the White River 50 Miler in 2014 and hasn't competed in any ultras since um, but her race of choice now is is still the half marathon. Well, Christy and Jared, thank you so much for joining us today on Hope in the Trenches. Yeah, thank you. Well, Christy, let's start with you. Um, boy, that's a that's a that's a great story. Um <laughs> when did you become a runner? Cause obviously it sounds like you were a runner before the guard.
1: I would say starting back junior high, high school, but definitely a little more committed, um, after high school, if you will, it's just an evolutionary process, I suppose. Um, no distinct moment, just evolutionary, if you will.
0: Sure. And I, well, and how did you find out about the marathon team? Because I think I was in the Guard for several years before I, I learned that the National Guard would sponsor stuff like that, like marathons and biathlon athletes.
1: Sure. Uh, for the, the PT test, um, this was up in Alaska, running the flight line for um, just the usual mile and a half. And the team captain happened to be racing. And he's like, whoa, hold up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great.
1: And then, yeah, he invited me that first year um, to Lincoln, Nebraska. And, yeah, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure your bio, we left out a lot of details there. How how did you end up serving with the Air Guard in Klamath Falls?
1: Um, So about 18 years in service um, with Coolis Air National Guard Base, which was later BRAC to uh, Joint Base elmendorf richardson Bear. Um, I moved the kids and I, I was divorced, finished med school and didn't want to sign a contract with uh uh any facility, and whatnot. So we popped in the car and moved to Bend, Oregon, and I was actually a line officer a logistics officer at the time. Mm-hmm. and one of the fellas um, that I went to Officer Candidate School with was part of Kingsley Field, which I'd never heard of. I didn't really realize where he was from. Uh, He saw on Facebook that I had moved to Oregon, and I was chatting with the Portland Air Guard um, to transfer. And he's like, oh, no, hold up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Need to come down here. So, yeah, checked it out. It was beautiful. Folks were nice. And, yeah, changed the plan, (laughs) -plan. (laughs) mid-plan.
0: Funny how that happens right? Well, Jared, you had an interesting story too. And well, growing up in Pennsylvania, out on the East coast, how did you end up serving in Oregon with the Air National Guard?
2: So I grew up in Pennsylvania and was working for Harley Davidson at the time, just got married. So I've been in there for about 10 years and they were actually, since the recession of 2008, we're going to downscale. So then I took the severance package. My wife and I were pregnant at the time and we just knew we we wanted to always move west. Like it wasn't even an option, we were going to move it. And this just, it severed enough ties for it to be perfect timing. And then, so when I arrived here, I was in Oregon. I was an electrician with my father-in-law, which was great because I was outside all the time and, and doing some work in the fields, but I didn't have insurance. So then I knew the guard existed here So I just basically stopped into the office and then started to hear all of the availability the guard has to offer Uh, Mm -hmm. And having worked for Harley. I was just like, this is ridiculous. You guys offer some incredible like packages and deals and the ability to travel. And, and then my grandfather was in World War II as a air force or army pilot. And, um, so I just kind of like, I just felt like that was a good call and then to provide insurance for my young family. So that's kind of how I jumped on board. And then, the more I was here, the more I fell in love with like the people, the place and mm-hmm. the kind of culture that the guard has.
0: Yeah. And in Kingsley field and Klamath falls, that that's gotta be one of the best kept secrets in the air force.
2: It is. And yeah, I, I truly believe that, uh, we were kind of like left here as a forgotten, um, forgotten item. But my gosh, like, I think if you look at the grand scheme of it, we get, we get paid and taken care of really well, we have a really good mission because we get pilots from all over the country. Um Yeah, in a, in a humble little area where you get a chance mm-hmm. to, to find your own little slice of heaven, a lake, a river, a mountain, trail, whatever. It, it's really a nice gem.
0: It is. When I served there, I met a lot of people who ended up stationed there and never left.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we get quite a lot of
0: active duty people converting over. So I, I think that's a telling sign. hmm hmm Well, I think your, your stories, but both of you, really highlight just how much opportunity there is for us serving in the military. Um, I, I mean, we get, we get thanked for our service all the time, but I, I usually try to point out that it's it's been an incredible blessing to me, and, and I've received so much by my service. And there are so many just incredible and, and really unique opportunities that you wouldn't find working anywhere else even i mean harley davidson's cool but there's there's a lot of stuff that you can do in the military that you just would not have a chance to do in 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 the civilian world agreed yeah i mean i don't know a lot of people that uh go on their training runs carrying uh, a pistol
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i mean i do know a few but uh, yeah. <laughs> So you were both selected yeah. to represent the Air Guard in the Inner air Force Marathon last September. And, and that event became virtual. That's kind of the, the theme of the last two years, isn't it? So tell us about that experience.
2: Actually, it was really interesting. Um, so I had a command chief that actually told me to try that for the best warrior. Same chief said, why don't you try? Just throw your time in. So I did, and I knew it was competitive. Um, as far as like a race times, and I knew there was teenager or not teenagers, but you know, younger airmen out there more capable. I thought, so I, I just threw it in and all of a sudden I got this email, um, sometime I believe in May and said, you're an alternate. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I just couldn't believe that came down. Um, and then through training through most of like the summer, it was kind of ironic. They said, Hey, we had a female fallout. Is anyone on the team knows someone? And I said, Oh my gosh, like if there's someone <laughs> that's always ready to race, like you've got to be kidding me. Yes. So I like just I think I texted uh Kristen within like the minute and she just wrote back, Yeah, sure. Like it like she's just always <laughs> ready to roll. That's uh, like she like she joined on and it was it was an easy add-on. I mean, it just all made sense.
0: So when the event went virtual, what did what did that mean for what, what did that look like for you then? Because now, right, Patterson, that's just to paint, maybe paint a picture, that's that's in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. Klamath Falls, the airfield there, sits at uh, 4,200 feet above above sea level. So that's some significant elevation. So what did you guys do when the event went virtual?
2: Uh, so my training specifically um, all summer long was very smoke-filled because of our fires in this area and it was challenging but i had a lot of uh, motivation because again I, I try to attach things to my family and um maybe being a good influence on base for whatever reason so i i was keeping myself motivated thinking like who else would do this you know i'm out here hopefully at 40 years old trying to like combine distance and speed and something i kind of like gave up on but i wanted to be a, a good motivation for my daughters and then when it did go virtual, um, I did, I knew that I was not, I had was a losing motivation. Clinic. So within those next two days, I planned to do my virtual race and turn in the results for me.
0: Oh, very good. That's a quick turn now. And where did you, where yeah. did you do your virtual race? Uh-huh. Uh,
2: right, right outside my door in Merrill. It's extremely flat and it's like a lake bottom. So basically I, I just ran from. Uh, one end of the valley to the other end of the valley, add on two miles. And it was kind of funny because I, I went out early that morning. Um, and cause I think it was the beginning of September. And I put little food plots and water along the way, like two water bottles and like uh, two little uh, snacks. And then basically just ran it at like four in the morning. So I woke up at 3.40, um, drove, knocked out the food and came back, did a couple like stretches quick and then just hammered it. And I didn't get the time I was wanting to, because like you said it was supposed to be in Ohio, but I did it here at like four thousand feet. so I didn't get the results I wanted, but it was still I had cows cheering me on instead of people, so it was funny.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great story. How, how about you, christy? how what did that look like for you?
1: Um, I actually didn't complete the virtual component. Um, my the way I was registered, something fell through. so i didn't I didn't complete the virtual component, to be honest with you.
0: Oh no worries, no no. Worries. Yeah. Well, so did you maybe through the pandemic? It's a lot of events like that have that normally would be in person have have shifted to virtual. And, and having run some big races myself, boy, there's there's it's kind of indescribable the the feeling you get when you're lined up with thousands of people and and. You hear the you hear the starting gun, and things mm-hmm. slowly start to to chug out now Christy, you're probably closer to the front with uh, with some some of the elites, but <laughs> that's a big difference and have you with your training and Jared, you talked about that a little bit, but christy have you have you did that impact your training at all trying to work through the pandemic or get through these uh th- oh. these last couple of years
1: Absolutely. the virtual I don't know. It's about twenty percent of reality to me. Um, far less inspiring. the connectivity with other humans. Uh, I struggle with the virtual environment, uh, especially for things like this, uh, personally
0: mm-hmm. Let it that is a big well, and no matter what your fitness goals are it, and how, or what that plays or what role that that fills in your life that that connection to other people is such a huge part of it.
1: Right. Right.
0: Well so for 15 years or more now we've been talking about resiliency in the military and if we've learned anything is that resilience or what gives people fortitude to persevere in challenging settings like combat or a pandemic. Or even just training for and running a marathon—it's—it's it's not one size fits all. So, how do you both describe resilience? And uh, we know you're runners. What are some other things that that you do to care for your own health and keep up your resilience? Um, and do you do like cross training? Uh, and I'm not even sure if that's a term that people still use. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I definitely do cross training. Um, in fact, injuries have led me to more cross training. Um, whether it's, uh, I do a little bit of CrossFit ish. I don't do some of the, you know, the big lifting type things and spinning, um, yoga. I definitely got into yoga because of (laughs) of old injuries. Um, but yeah, I will say resiliency. You have to acknowledge that you're, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. You're going to falter but you've got to get up, you got to dust yourself off. Um, You you might need to take a moment and have a pity party and take the night off. I, I have, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's those that keep going and and those that you can't, you can't give up. You just can't give up. You're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. Um, (laughs) You still have to get up the next day and and push on and be grateful that you failed and you have the motivation to, to keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm
2: sorry. I was going to say, I think someone that carries a nine millimeter while they're running should probably tell you they're pretty resilient. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like I, I feel like a lot of people today are scared to fail and I don't understand why. Cause I think a lot of our education comes from failures and like learning how to adjust and then go back and do it again. And I think a lot of like fitness is like that, right? Like if you have Mm -hmm. a goal you don't achieve and you try again, like, why not? It's, Mm -hmm. and i found so many parallels in fitness as like real world and i I completely agree with what she's saying i just don't i don't understand why like it's fun to get outside it's fun to get exercise like some demons in your day and to like blow some steam off after long days and now we have like everything that's going on now not just the pandemic but just so many other things and like they're great healthy ways to get rid of some of those like thoughts and like and just go down to just focusing on yourself for a few minutes to take care of your fitness. Like it, it's a great way to like shake those things out because I don't think of the pandemic when I run.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or I'm doing
2: jujitsu. Like I, that's the last thing on my mind. I'm thinking about the <laughs> moment. So. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, some some great themes that you brought up there. Well, first of all, you talk about some of the benefits that you get from running. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? You know, there's such a tight relationship between our physical fitness, mental and emotional health, and even spiritual health. And we have to invest ourselves in staying healthy in, in those areas. What Can you talk some more about that? Maybe the mental or spiritual benefits you, you might get from running?
1: Well, when I run, I, I feel like you get a reset, you know, like when you have a really awful day and you get a good night's sleep and it's like, okay, I'm ready to. I'm ready to deal with this again. Um, I get like a reset, like a change of perspective. It forces me to stand back and and look at from whoever's perspective or attacking a problem. Um, it kind of changes the angle of what I'm looking at. Um, because I'm not I'm not hurried to make a decision and that type of thing. So I think it it's huge. And I feel better about the decisions that are made, you know, when I've had some time to, to jog them around the head hmm. without interruption, I think it's huge.
0: Do you listen to music when you run or do you just run with the the sound of your footsteps and the, the ambient sounds of the environment around you?
1: Um, if it's a treadmill, definitely don't want to hear myself puffing and puffing. <laughs> 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 but if, uh, like back home, like in Alaska, uh, if there's bears or if there's like a kind of a vulnerability, uh, I pr- I won't wear headphones. Um, it's just dependent on on where I'm running or if I'm running alone uh, or in a pack or a race. If it's a race, I definitely don't want to hear absolutely everyone huffing and puffing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. So I'll, I'll I'll put on some tunes to to tone that out a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, and, and when you're not listening to music or or something like that, you know, it does kind of leave you alone. With mm-hmm. with your thoughts and and even if you're running with other people, long periods mm-hmm. of time will go by where maybe you don't say anything, and that's okay.
1: That's okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: So one of the go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, please do, Jared. I was gonna say I, like one of the
2: things like you're talking about is resiliency has like no exact face, like right? It's written in jello, so it's it's different all the time. And I always felt like I try to explain that to some people here that I've either counseled with or been with um, to talk about like what they can do or how they can frame it. And I always talked about, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, you know, people can get loads of issues in life and loads of frustrations and things can come in waves, but then you have to find ways to unburden that. Right. And I Mm -hmm. think that usually comes from like a perspective. Like how do you, like I could never look at like having the things that Kristen has been through like med school. No, I I can't do that. (laughs) Um, like having the kids and single parenting like that, those are hard, real hard. And like to gain a perspective of how challenging some of those things are, like you have to kind of weather the storm, you kind of have to find healthy ways to combat that. Right. So you don't want the straw to break your back. You have to find ways to unload some of that burden. And I think by mm-hmm. like social running or finding like something, maybe something was your past and you need to change it up, like you were saying, different fitness styles now jiu-jitsu when it wasn't before or biathlon yeah i should try that i think that'd be a lot of fun so i think when you, i look at things you know people often remember like i always felt it was funny people remember basic training like no one wants to go do it again but it always brings <laughs> a smile to their face they always like laugh about how hard you know they had it or something but they don't go back and do it and i always thought why not like if you look at it with such joy and, and like uh, humor not don't go back to basic, obviously not, but like find some way to push yourself or test yourself again um, So I always thought that was interesting like ways to try to bring different perspectives to people.
0: I just touching on one of the last things you said, Jared I've, and I've heard that I think it was through team red white and blue, one of the veterans service organizations out there but they challenged veterans and service members to you know don't let the last great thing you ever did be what you did. On a deployment or um, yeah. on a, on a combat tour or, or in the military or basic training. Right. So don't let that right. just be the last great thing that you did, but find, find the next challenge and find something else that will push you to be better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One person I I didn't want to bring up, but I, I love the guy, what he is, is David Goggins. I don't oh, know yeah. if you've heard his story or not, but like, I just. Someone like that exists out there is amazing to me and not that I want to go through what he's gone through, but like you, you can see he adapts to like something new and he just looks for the next challenge and stuff. So like he's really motivating to me because I'm like, I can't believe humans can do that. And That's amazing.
0: So maybe someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not a runner. I've, I've never, never been a runner. You know, I only, I only run when the army makes me, or I only run a mile and a half when the air force says I have to. So if, you know, what would you say to someone that's maybe on the fence about starting running a little bit more? Like, I mean, years for years, I never took up running consistently because I didn't think I had the body type. And well, you talked about this, Jared, uh, running is uncomfortable. It's one of those uncomfortable things. How do you get past those barriers and how, how do you get comfortable with the discomfort and, you know, how do, how do you get started and, and, and grow and take those first steps out the door? I think one of the things that we're finding out recently is everyone has like a
2: natural gait. Like, so yes, running is natural when you don't have education on learning how you actually individually should learn to run. So people kind of go out there and they hack at it because they have never really had like an instructor or a teacher. Um, one of the things that Kristen brought up was like social running finding people that actually know how to run and just kind of like joining in with them. A lot of times they won't even try to push a pace. They'll just try to like sit there and talk to you, but still like uh, get in stride with one another. So you have a good cadence going on. Um, But even trying to understand, you know, what it is about like your running injuries or injuries that changed your running gait itself. Um, Yeah. Going back to the history, like my cousin, getting me into running like I was just like no I'm not a runner that's not what I do I jump I play volleyball and then I just knew there's something I was missing and then that missing is like the education on how to kind of get your efficiency going yeah or re- up to the PA I'm sorry
0: oh no worries no I remember seeing the t-shirt in high school that you know running is punishment in my sport right you know, <laughs> yeah it's true yeah you <laughs> funny so Christy how how do you how would you maybe encourage or coach someone who was trying to get past that barrier saying you know i'm i'm not a runner
1: uh, you know when i mean i'm sure jared can speak to this um with injuries and surgeries you know uh, we all become non runners pretty quickly um, and it's, it's getting it out there and getting, getting your, getting your feet out on the track and, and moving. And it starts with running and walking, um, surrounding yourself with, with other knowledgeable humans on the matter is definitely helpful, um, coaching style, educating yourself, but using different techniques. Uh, a lot of folks that I train, we start with like a run walk. You know, we, we get, you know, walk for X amount of time and then, you know, a minute run. And then eventually that ratio of mostly walking becomes mostly running. Um, so it's, it's a progressive, uh, a change over time. Um, but it does, yeah, your gait and then some of its mental toughness of like, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm kind of hurting. This is, I'm winded. I'm a little bit Uh suffering but I'm, I'm okay. I, I can do this. Um, and, and folks get there in events like BMT, um, but then they, they fall back out of it. They, you know what I mean? That they, they were forced to, if you will, in BMT, but they don't know how to, to force themselves. Um, thereafter, when, when you get deconditioned, it's, it's very challenging to get reconditioned and breaking those barriers. Um, so it starts with not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is trial and error. You you'll probably have injuries. Um, and just keep going. You've just got to keep going.
0: That's been a little bit of a recurring theme in our conversation this morning, hasn't it? You know, that mm-hmm. just getting back on the path when you when you have a bad day or a bad week. Or I mean David Goggins, right? He saw found himself he was working as an exterminator. <laughs> mm-hmm. excuse me he, he weighed over 300 pounds and they told him he had to lose over 100 pounds if he wanted to come back into the navy All right so it maybe part of it is and we're still early in 2022 but i wonder how many new year's resolutions have already gone off the rails and you know how do you and well and you've talked about coming back from injury too and finding something different that will still move you toward your goals of, of staying fit and staying healthy and doing the things that you need to do to to serve in your various vocations, whether that's in the military or being a parent or, Mm -hmm. or your chosen profession.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, We were lucky enough for the last couple of years to have a guy on here called Dr. Mark Q He's called the, his nickname is called like the air force run doctor. And um, two of the things I thought that he was, he brought to my attention that I I never really thought of before was he did a, a research, uh, one year piece on an elementary school of noticing that kindergarten kids, before they sat down uh, behind a desk all day long, that they had a natural, perfect form of running. This is before we put them behind the desk, before we made them sit down all day long. And um, he said little runners were just naturally light and airy and springy, and they were just doing it the right way because they, they hadn't known the conditioning of the days of work yet or, you know, a, a day behind a, a desk or a chair. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then they realized after a half a year of sitting behind a desk, they started the heel strike, which leads to a lot of injuries. And I'm not going to, you know, elaborate too much on that. But then he asked the school, he said, put them back into where recess now is midday and end of day. And as opposed to morning and then midday. So then they basically would go out and they would run naturally again, and they would strengthen themselves back up and counteract like that heel striking and that overstriding, So that was really interesting to me. It was basically like, you know, we were born naturally kind of springy and light and, and good athletes. And then over time we kind of lose that form. And then another one of those chapters is talking about the way you walk is the way you run. Hmm. And if, if you hold your posture upright with your core and you start like you're running with your core instead of like these large muscle groups and damaging yourself, you'll find a lot better like response how you're running. So it was, that was really interesting to me to read through his book and his teachings.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think he actually wrote some articles for military times, right? I've seen those things shared and maybe it was in runner's world as well, but yeah, well, you both kind of touched on this, I think, a little bit to the the social aspect of running and running with other people. And if there's one thing that runners like to talk about, it's it's running <laughs> and and <laughs> and sharing their passion for that with with other people
2: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely so the the big theme for the podcast is hope. So I want to ask you both, you know what gives you hope not not just to keep running but to keep grinding uh, to stay fit and and to serve in each of your different callings from the air force to your professions, your families, et, et cetera. What, what gives you both the, the hope to keep grinding?
1: For me, um, it's focusing on the positive, focusing on the people in my life on what is in my control. I might not like all my options, but focusing on, my best option um and what is in my choice and hope is a choice to me um and choosing mm. choose hope
0: that's that sounds like uh, man's search for meaning victor frankl have either of you read that book
1: um, no,
0: no he's the one that says that in in between the stimulus and response or so in between the the thing that happens and your response to it there's a gap um, mm-hmm. and, in, and in that gap is where you have the choice to choose how you'll respond. And, and Viktor Frankl, just again, the short short version, he's he was a psychologist in Austria in the 1930s and uh, 40s. He was captured by the Nazis and sent into the prison camp. And shortly after, well, less than a year after he was freed from the concentration camps, was lecturing and speaking about... Mm-hmm. Um, enduring life in the concentration camps, and how how you could find that hope and that that will to survive, because there there had to be he realized there had to be something greater than our present circumstances to to pull us through, um, starting with the 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 fundamental assumption that every life has meaning, every every person has has value, and so that that has to come from somewhere other than our present circumstances and and mm-hmm. so because there's so much in life that we that we can't that we don't have control over that that we don't choose um mm-hmm. from the death of family members and loved ones um when relationships don't turn out the the way that we would choose um mm-hmm. when just mm-hmm. hardships um you know maybe we lose a job or uh, some other unforeseen challenge come comes our way um We can't control that stuff, but we can choose how we respond to it. So I I appreciate how you, how you talk about that, Christy. How, How about you, how about you, Jared? Yeah, actually,
2: uh, recently my wife's been going through a divinity degree, uh, just trying to understand just different principles and religions and ideas. And, um, one of the areas she came across was the idea of like this time that we're here on this plane is talking about like trials and, um, you know, experiencing discomfort, whether it's mental, spiritual, um, physical discomfort, like we have hot and cold, we have, you know, like you're going through middle school, high school, college, you don't know who you are yet. You're trying to experience love and relationships. And, you know, we're going through pandemics and we, we have spiritual hardships. And so like this kind of time that we have here is to experience these and persevere, you know, and people that kind of, in my mind, stand by and, and um kind of don't experience it you know it becomes like a a layered effect and Hmm. i think like she was saying is if you have a chance to go out and experience things like it's fun like it's you know i think a lot of people don't look at running as fun but once they get back in from running they're like oh man i'm glad i got that done yeah and then i kind of feel the same way like if if i don't get an experience in a run um know time with my daughters at jiu-jitsu or whatever it is like i i kind of get a like annoyed with myself like oh you missed out on something that could have been so i think that brings in that level of hope of like i want to experience like the emotion the spirituality the physicality so i, I kind of look forward to that addiction of pressing those buttons and trying the new
0: things oh i agree completely and and i think it's interesting and just Maybe a week or so ago, I got a a survey question through, through email and, and it was asking about suffering and choosing to take on hard things or, or things, choosing, uh, discomfort or, and and learning how to become comfortable with discomfort. Now I, I tried to, in my response, I tried to point out, I, I think there's a difference between those, um, Those things that happen to us that cause suffering, because I I don't think that's chosen. I I don't think it's really suffering maybe if, if we choose to, to take it on necessarily, Mm -hmm. you can probably find some caveats to that, but, Mm -hmm. but, but there's certainly value in doing hard things and pushing yourself, stepping outside your comfort zone, taking, taking some risk, Um, Mm -hmm. A risk of taking on something that you know maybe there's a chance that you'll that you'll fail. What, what do you what do you think the benefit is in in choosing those challenges?
1: I definitely think there's benefit in challenging yourself. Um and just having that underlying premise that life comes with suffering. Um and sometimes it does need to be self-induced. Um, mm-hmm. like I tell my kids. You need to suffer. I mean, every day, come there will be a suffer. There's going to be your public speaking class. There, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a mm-hmm. suffer. And learning to suffer and accepting it, um, and and pushing yourself. You know, sometimes you've got to, you know, step it up athletically, socially, emotionally, step outside your comfort zone. Have that uncomfortable conversation with with your subordinate. Like there are <laughs> there's suffering in life um and accepting that that suffering is part of it um mm-hmm. i think is is huge um moving forward
0: i think where i was trying to go with that a little bit too is if 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 we make being comfortable our goal you know if your mm-hmm. if your goal is just to be comfortable and not have anything bad happen you're going to be pretty quickly disappointed and so yeah. so <laughs> challenging yourself i think pre- prepares you to then to be adaptable and to face, face the hard things that come.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh,
2: Dr. Jordan Pearson, I think says, um, people don't avoid or seek comfort. They uh, seek to avoid discomfort. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think like people can stay at home and say like, "Now I'm not going to go out. I'll stay here. Cause I, I know where I'm at here, but if I go outside, I might have interactions with people I don't want or traffic or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I do think like, to me, yeah, that's not living. That's that's kind of avoiding those, like she was saying, like new things in life, new challenges in life. Like, I mean, I think everyone can point to times that they were anxious, but then they got over it, and then it was a successful moment in their life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think that's baked into who we are in the military. Now, certainly, we can fall into those traps too, and um, even. Even while we're serving, kind of tried to avoid a lot of discomfort and and really get complacent, but it, but yeah. it really is part of what we do in the military. Is it, it pushes us outside of our, com- our our comfort zones. You both talked about mm-hmm. basic training and 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 the deployment experiences and competitions, things like that. That will, that will push us outside of 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 our comfort zones and help us to test our limits and and help us see how far we really can go when we try. Definitely. So Chris, you've been sitting there quietly and listening to this conversation. Um, any any questions that you might have for Chrissy or Jared? Uh, yeah, f- uh, for both of you, uh, being that you're uh, endurance athletes, uh, one of the things that always uh, perplexes me or uh, I have an interest in it is the runner's wall that you hear about. Um, I've been there a couple times in my life but um, I know that there's people uh, that will never experience it. And just uh, just your personal experiences with it, if it's something that you can tell is coming on, um, how uh, it affects you, and uh, just kind of to give us the uh, inside scoop on being an endurance athlete and when you hit that. Or is that called, is, is that called going into the pain cave in ultras?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I can definitely speak to the wall. Uh, mile 17, I can tell you for me, it is mile 17 every single time. Um, and knowing that I can just feel it coming on. I feel like I can't move. feel like I'm out of breath. Uh, I, I'm completely out of energy. Um, But pushing past that, if I can get through that mile and a half of absolute suck, it's the worst mile and a half of my life. um, I feel amazing at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. Getting past it. um, I hit it every time. I've never not hit it. (laughs) Um, So I don't, those that escape it, like, uh, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. (laughs) Um, It's part of the suffer for me.
2: Yeah. As you're asking that question, I started laughing, thinking about the times that it's come. Um, and I don't, I think it's a a fun way in my mind is like, it's a chess match because you know, it's coming Mm -hmm. and, and you're waiting for it and you're like, okay, I'm taking my salt at the right time. I'm taking food and water. I'm hydrating. Okay. The sun's not fully on. Like you're, you have these little like fleeting thoughts that go through your head and you're like, I'm going to survive and push through and, then it hits. And yeah, mine, same thing is right around like 20, like 16 to 20. And or something longer. It depends, like just kind of where you're at. But every time there's something that kind of keeps you moving, or, or just maybe you go from a certain pace and you slow down a little bit and just keep the, the the legs moving. And um yeah, I don't know what it is that after you kind of get to those cramps and you get to that. Uh, I don't know, like that frustration is like, no, nah, just I give up on this. Like it, it goes through my head. I, I guarantee it, like it always goes through my head. But then as soon as it's done, you're like, I can do better next year. Or I can, <laughs> I, can I can, figure a way to make it not suffer as much next time. So I kind of always enjoy that aspect of
0: it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience with it. It's very insightful. Thanks. As you were both answering, I was reminded of a of a book it's a it's a great book on kind of getting started in ultra running it's a fantastic title it's called relentless forward progress and i recall one line from that book that uh if it if it hurts to walk and it hurts to run just run which is Mm -hmm. it's kind of a metaphor for life right yeah Mm -hmm. relentless forward progress um and if if it hurts to walk and it hurts to run just, just just run keep running keep going (laughs) well i've never experienced alaska's weather but i've done
2: oregon weather the wrong way sometimes where i i went out (laughs) dressed in the wrong attire or somehow my glove got wet because my water bottle or something and my hands were freezing like i've had the run that can't get any worse and i usually compare a lot of my runs to those runs where i'm like ah you'll be fine like it's it's been worse so (laughs) i'm sure every like everyone like both of you have had those experiences before. Oh yeah. Where you can always compare, like dude it just it won't get worse than that time.
1: <laughs> yep, completely.
0: And it is, it is possible to keep going and to to keep running and, and to keep living with with hope and positivity. Christine, and Jared, thank you both so much for your time today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, again. Thanks again. It's been great
2: to talk to you again. So um Yeah, it's just an honor. Thank you.
0: Well, God bless you both, uh, and blessings to your families and to your work. Take care, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. Take care. This podcast is produced by the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office. My prayer for you is that wherever you find yourself, that you might find hope for today and strength for the ambiguity and chaos of life. Blessings on the rest of your day.